0: With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears, Go Bears presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
1: What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft is officially in the books. A long three days. I saw the Chicago Bears draft ten players. Um, they made a trade to uh, in in the first day. First day to move back from number nine to number ten. They made another trade at the start of day three. And in all, they have a ten man draft class as the rookie mini camp will come begin underway um, this weekend. We're going to talk about the draft, recap that, and dive a little bit into the options that are left in free agency. For a couple spots that the bears you know might be able to uh to fill over the next couple weeks before uh we hit summer let's welcome in my co-host though aaron lemming and uh um, aaron how are you doing this week
2: i'm doing all right man it is uh the draft is finally over with yes. we've got some what otas and mini camps coming up and then it's going to be about a what a six week break in between their last uh last mini camp and, and training camp so we're kind of going to get into that lull where there's not a whole lot going on. And yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of one of those, it's nice to get other stuff done, but at the same time, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a long six weeks when that time comes.
1: Yeah. I don't know about you. I don't know how you felt during the draft, but like for me, and I talked to a couple other people about this, for some reason this draft was really exhausting. Like it just felt like it was never going to end. Like, yeah, it was like fun that the Bears had like a top 10 pick, um, but when we got to like third or not, not Thursday, when we got to like Saturday, it just felt like the day dragged on and on and on. And I mean, you know, that might have been because the Bears literally wait every night till the absolute end, um, to send down Ryan Poles, whereas like other teams, um, their GMs are talking after they pick. Uh, I don't know if it was because of that, but it just felt super long. And I know it's, you know, the Bears had a first round pick in what was it, 2021. With Justin Fields, they didn't have one in 2020. They didn't have one in 2019. They didn't have a first-round pick in 2022. So it was nice to have that first-round pick, but it it just felt like the, the draft just was going on and on and on this weekend.
2: Yeah, day three especially really drug on. I feel like the first round actually really wasn't all that bad. I want to say it got over – what it was like 10.30 our time, so it was like three and a half hours. Um, and then night two wasn't too bad, but two – yeah, day day three Saturday was – and it's just – it's so ridiculous because it's like you know, like especially when they're getting into the sixth and seventh rounds, like these picks are just coming in one after another after another. And I don't know how it was on ESPN, but at least on NFL Network, which is where I watch the majority of it, it's like – They would they would do like picks back to back, and then there would be this the next pick that would come up. There would just be this long lull. It would just sit there for like a minute, was saying the picks in, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, it'd be like a minute or two, and then they finally make the pick. But I mean, I made dinner reservations for six o'clock on Saturday night, assuming that the draft would have been over like an hour beforehand. I'd had some time to kind of get stuff together and. I mean that the draft didn't end until right when we got to where we were going, which was right about six o'clock. So yeah, it definitely, it drug on and I don't know, man, it's uh, like you said, it, it was, it was fun and it's always fun, but I I feel like because of the gaps in which the bears picked, you know, that, that gap between the first round and and their first, you know, their first pick in the second round and then their gap between rounds five and then, you know, uh round seven and then again the the gap between you know the their first pick in round seven to the the second to last pick of the draft there was just man it was it was a long it was a long wait and it just feels like they're commercializing it more every year which i get to a certain extent but it's like dude at some point you just got to get through the picks
1: yeah and you know it also doesn't help that like i mean it helps us but if you're watching at home like the picks are like twitter is like four to five picks ahead by you know the middle of day three you know, day one, it's 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 about a pick ahead. You you get the they're on the clock. Um, you usually get the pick on Twitter, and then it's the pick is in, and then the next team is like, you know, a couple minutes. Day two, it's maybe one or two ahead, but like day three from the start, man, it was like five to six picks ahead. And I guess you know, that helps me because then I can kind of um plan for it. But if you're watching at home, man, like they're behind. And the other thing I was I was gonna say is. Um, I don't know about you, but, man, I have, like, absolutely no desire to go to the NFL draft as a fan ever. I, I know I'm fortunate enough to, like, go to House Hall. I saw, like, a tweet, and it was, like, the, the attendance every year for the draft since, like, Chicago hosted it and now Kansas City, and it was, like, over 300,000 people. And it was, like, a video of just, like, just thousands, obviously, of people just, like, standing still, listening to pics being read and, like, a big crowd. Like I'm class- I'm not like fully claustrophobic. I don't get like super uncomfortable. That looked like the most miserable time if you did not have a seat. Like I knew someone that went, and he said there's like no seats. You are literally standing the entire time, just listening to picks go off. And like, I, I mean, I, first, like, give me your thoughts on that. But second, like, also, it, it felt like there wasn't as many players attending this draft. Obviously, we saw. Brian Branch was there on day two. Will Levis left. Those were like the two guys in the green room left after day one. But even then, on day one, there was only like, it felt like there was only like 10 to 12 guys.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, you're asking the wrong person because I am very (laughs) anti large group anyway. So, you wouldn't catch me dead in the crowd like that. That's just not gonna happen. I don't do it for concerts anymore. I and especially, you know, it's like when I was in my, you know, like teens and early twenties, like going to concerts and standing or going to events and standing was one thing. But if I'm going to a show now, if I'm going to anything, it is going to be balcony seating where there's no moshing going on, no craziness, and where I could sit the entire time and actually be comfortable and enjoy it. So yeah, I no, I'm I'm right there with you. I just It's just one of those, like, it it always cracks me up because, like, and I get it, you know, again, it's all for TV or whatever, but it cracks me up that you get these big groups of people and, like, you know, each fan, you know, each fan group has their own little thing next to the stage or whatever, and they're always pan over to that fan group when they make a pick. And it's like, okay, maybe for the first round and maybe even the second round, I can like, you know, I'm sure some people know who they are, but you're getting in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round and they're panning to these fans and you can tell that they have no idea who the name being read is. And they're just like, well, I guess I got to freak out now right in front of the camera. And it's like it's such a like the draft has become such a strange televised event where And again, I get it. Like, I I completely get it. It's just it's kind of one of those things like it's crazy to think like the draft used to be two full days. And now you're talking about cramming in basically night one with round one and then night two with round two and three and then, you know, day three, which is dragging on far too long. It's just far too long at this point. I mean, the fact that it's getting over at six o'clock central time now is just absolutely insane. It's a seven hour event. I mean, there's, there's no reason, I, especially there's just no reason for
1: it. I, I think it's, I think within the next 15 to 20 years, it's going to be different. I think it's going to be round one on Thursday, round two on Saturday. They'll do something like three, four on set. Um, no round two on Friday, round three, four on like Saturday. And then they'll do like five, six, seven, like Sunday morning. I think they're going to try and milk this as much as, I mean, they're already like, you know, I mean, Aaron, we're around the same age. Like how, and you mentioned it, it used to be a two day event and you'd go to New York city and it'd be like, you know, radio city music hall. And it was never crowds like this, the money they probably make on food and like merchandise and all this stuff now. They're going to, they're seeing this and not even, not even that, like TV deals, like all the commercials. uh, You know, if you add an extra day, like I don't think it's going to happen in the immediate future. I could definitely see it being a four day event where they split like round one and then round two is the next day. And you got three and four. Cause like you said, man, you get to like five, six, seven, nothing against those players. Like you, you obviously can find, um, you know, talent there. But like round seven man it's 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 a lottery ticket essentially round six it's a lottery ticket you're talking about guys who are you know either going to surprise you maybe like two or three a year um actually be something like, contribute um or you're looking at guys that are in the practice squad you're looking at guys that are going to be cut um obviously you know three four you still know most of the prospects but like I mean I'll admit man I cover an NFL team and like day three like when you get to round six and seven i know some names that's only because like i knew like a couple of north carolina players are there i like paid attention to a couple you know like michigan players that i just watched or big games that i saw other than that man like i didn't even know sacramento state had a damn football team and someone got <laughs> drafted from there i i knew i knew what Kenosaw state is i didn't think there was any like i had no idea who the bears pick was there like it Even the Stanford kid, no offense, Kendall Williamson, like I I didn't do any scouting on him. And, you know, I I imagine like we had Jacob Infante on and it's like maybe guys like him might know the seventh rounders. But I'm I'm willing to bet like he didn't even do as much research on that seventh round. I mean, unless I'm crazy, I, I don't know. Do you agree with that? Or is it like or are we just not doing enough work on it?
2: No, man, there were, there were people taken in the fourth and the fifth round that were on no consensus board whatsoever. Now, I mean, we're both basically the same way. Like I'm one of those people, like I'll go through and I'll watch, you know, obviously I watch college football all year and I'll have an idea on, you know, usually the top names. And then I'll go through basically starting and usually about January, I'll start going through and just kind of watching, you know, position by position and kind of getting, you know, prospect rankings and then kind of going through and watching guys and kind of forming my own opinions. But, like I rely on especially the late rounds and undrafted guys. Like I rely a lot on like Dane Dane Brugler's the Beast and then Arif Hassan. Uh, he used to be with the Athletic. He's now with Pro Football Network. Uh, he does a consensus board every year. And those are the kind of things that I rely on, especially for those late name, you know, those, those late name, uh, picks like that. And yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I had no idea who Travis Bell was. I mean, he was, he was in Dame Brugler's, uh, you know, the beast or whatever, but I'll be honest, like I I don't really look at the guys that are ranked 40 through 120 or whatever. Like it, those are the kind of things where like you go back and you look, you know, you look at those rankings when the Bears sign a bunch of undrafted free agents and you're like, who is this guy? You know? And then the same thing, you know, the same thing with their other sub from pick too. I had, I mean, he played for Stanford. He's probably the second best DB after, you know, doing some research and watching him. i never heard of the guy. So yeah, I mean, there's just, that's, that's kind of the thing. And I feel like, it it seemed like there for a while you had there were so many different draft publications that were putting things out like you had magazines that were going in stores this is the first year in a while actually haven't seen a draft magazine in any grocery store or anything um but like used to have it to where there was like walter football and cbs and nfl and there was one other one i'm drawing a blank on it now that always i mean they would start back in like december and they would have usually like at least like top 20 to 30 positional rankings and then you know their big boards or whatever and obviously they were never set in stone but they were a good way to at least kind of get an idea on you know who was who and kind of get an idea on names and kind of go from there and i mean i'm sure you'd notice the same thing like a lot of like draft boards and a lot of you know prospect rankings and different things like that are starting to come out in like march and you know the beginning of april so it's it's one of those things where for those who don't do a ton of research and don't get all of the names that are you know basically going into the draft like sometimes you kind of have to cram those last few weeks and that's usually me especially with the i'd say the last like i don't know i'd say like prospects 250 through like 400 um is those kind of like you almost just kind of get familiar with the name and then you're like well if the bears draft them i'll go back and watch them kind of thing and that's that's kind of the route that I've taken. Like you said, you know, guys like Dane Brugler, um, you know, guys like Jacob, you know, all the really big, heavy draft guys, you know, obviously they dive way deeper, but I don't have the attention span for that. I don't have the brain capacity to 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 retain all those names and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just it and I feel like this year, especially if you're talking consensus board with, you know, Reef Hassan, what he does. This is the first year in quite a while that there were there were multiple guys on that, you know, that that were taken in the first like I would say, you know, five, six rounds of the draft that weren't even on the consensus board. This is just a really weird draft class as a whole, because this is the first kind of like non-COVID year where guys weren't staying in an extra year or whatever it may be. And there was a lot of like smaller school players as well that, you know, especially with, uh, you know, just just some of the stuff like, you know, Jackson State. He said, Kennesaw State, like there were a lot of different uh, smaller schools that you would have never thought of. And it's funny because I, I'd heard of Kennesaw State, never even thought anything about it, but I was going back and watching Tyler Scott, uh, some of his stuff earlier and he had, they actually had a game against Kennesaw State. So yeah, it's just interesting. It's maybe it was, maybe it was Texas. I don't know. One of the, one of the two offensive skill players that the Bears took on day three, um, I was watching. I I want to say it was uh, Cincinnati. It was
1: Cincinnati. Yeah. Because he mentioned it in his uh, interview with us.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, man, it's just, it, it feels like the entire draft process is kind of changing a little bit. Um, and, you know, but as far as like the viewing experience, like it was fun. I'm glad it's over. I was exhausted. Frankly, doing the uh, the undrafted free agent spreadsheet was far more exhausting than it usually is. Um, you know, still ended up getting through it. And, and you know, we're sitting here on a Tuesday night and the bears still have yet to announce any of their undrafted free agent signings, go figure. So uh, they do have rookie minicamp this weekend. So I would assume that we'll get those at some point. We should see some other it, roster moves too. It,
1: it will be, um, I'm willing to bet it will be Friday morning when rookie minicamp starts. I think it's going to be um, like right when we get in there, they'll have the roster and you'll see it from a beat reporter. Um, and then you'll see an email or the bears released on Twitter. Cause I, I believe they did that last year for that. Like they waited till the absolute last second um as minicamp was kind of starting off which is you know whatever it's their decision so yeah I mean everyone just just keep an eye out someone on Twitter will have it when it when it is um when it is uh um rookie minicamp Friday but um yeah Aaron so I mean let, let's just kind of talk about it um let, let's go to Thursday so Bears are scheduled to pick ninth you know we see Bryce young come off the board no shocker there leading into the draft that day you know I I Everyone kind of got that sense that CJ Stroud was going to go to, um, to Houston. That happened, but then the shocker happened. Houston then trades up to number three, um, giving up you know the their next year's first and a package of picks, and they have pick number two and three. They take Will Anderson. They shake up the draft. Indianapolis takes Anthony Richardson. Seeing there, Seattle kind of shakes things up. It's Devon Witherspoon. You're looking at Detroit and. Honestly, man, at this point, you know Detroit's at six. The Bears are at nine. I'm thinking the Bears. I mean, this is setting up perfect for the Bears. I, I, I know you and I made our picks uh, on who the Bears would take. I said weeks ago, months ago. I still kind of had that feeling um, that if Jalen Carter was there at nine, the Bears were going to take him if he impressed them. If they did their homework and felt comfortable with the person that he is. Because um, I think we we all probably think he's going to be a really good defensive lineman. Um But, yeah, and then, you know, we get to nine and the Bears, you know, Paris Johnson goes off the board um before the Bears can pick. And you get to nine and the Bears, you know, they have their choice. They have Jalen Carter. Um, Do they want to trade the pick? Do they want Darnell Wright? They trade it to Philadelphia. Philadelphia comes up, you know. And, and I don't know if you saw any of this. I saw a lot of t- people on Twitter mad that the Bears traded back and only got a 2024 fourth-round pick. But if you think about it, man, like, they were not taking Jalen Carter. That I Now we know 100%. I don't think we knew, you know, at pick six, seven, or eight. Now we know 100% that the Bears had Jalen Carter off their draft board completely. And to get a fourth-round pick, I mean, that that's, that's – I, I, how can you complain about that? Because guess what? If you took Darnell Wright at 9, the Eagles were taking Jalen Carter at 10. So you got something out of it. Uh, but the pick for the Bears is is, is Darnell Wright, and um, I'm okay with it. For me, you know, I thought Paris Johnson was OT1. Um, I thought Darnell Wright was OT2, just just because I, I think, you know, you agree with this, Skronsky's a guard in my eyes. I think the Bears got a quote-unquote safe pick with Darnell Wright at offensive tackle.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, kind of going back to the Jalen Carter thing. I mean, I I said it. I thought for sure if he hit if he hit nine, I thought the Bears would take him. I thought that they, you know, they were going to be comfortable enough with him. That is, you know, was something I heard. Clearly, that was not right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was dead wrong on that. Um, so, I, but I think that in the moment, I think people were having a tough time splitting the two realities between each other. Like the bears weren't going to take Jalen Carter. So like you said, I mean, knowing that you could sit there at, you know, number nine overall and take Darnell Wright, or you could simply, you know, do exactly what the bears did. And the Eagles say, Hey, we'll give you a future fourth. Okay, cool. So they move back one spot. They still get their guy and they get a pick for it. So it's like, I I think the two kind of have to, you know, like you have to split the two, and take the emotion out of not taking Jalen Carter. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is I think, and this is complete hindsight. And again, I still think, like I still think Jalen Carter is going to be a really good player. I I think Darnell Wright will be too. But like, when you look at it in hindsight, like if the bears had taken Jalen Carter at nine, dude, we'd be singing, a very different tune right now about the Bears' offensive line situation. Oh, like, 100%, let's just be honest. 100%. I mean, it's it's one of those things because everybody had Dewan Jones as one of those guys that was going to be going, you know, somewhere in the you know, the late first, early second. He fell to what was it? It was I think it was round three because of yeah. character concerns. He went to the Browns and you know, it's just like, and then you start looking. Matthew Bergeron was the name that we talked about too as a second round option. He went before the Bears would have picked, and he basically everybody viewed him as a guard. So, I mean, you start looking at it, and it's like the Bears would have been out of options, and you know, so which would have forced them maybe into a trade up. I don't know, but again, it, it, it's all hindsight. But I, I guess what I'm saying here is. Is that when you look at the pick of Darnell Wright, I, I'm right there with you. I had Paris Johnson Jr. is my, you know, uh, tackle one, and then Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones were, you know, two and three. I mean, really, all of those guys were grouped pretty closely. I think that Paris Johnson Jr. was probably my clear number one, but it wasn't by like some landslide, right? It was just that was just how I felt. I do think that when you look at the pick of Darnell Wright, it makes a ton of sense. I think athletically he does fit. I am curious though if, and this is something we talked about before, if Ryan Poles is going to ask him to lose 10 or 15 pounds. I mean, he played at 333 last year, and I know he tested athletically. He tested really well. He had a high rouse, But I think when you actually watch him, especially in the run game or any time that he actually had to pull out, it, he's a little clunky as an athlete to me, and I think part of that is weight. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to go about that. But I think when you look at him as a pass protector, he didn't give up a, a sack in like 540 snaps. Um, He's very refined. He was kind of a little bit of a one-year wonder in the fact that like he played left tackle the year before really wasn't as good. I mean, this is his first like really elite year. He shut down some really good edge rushers in the sec. I think it makes a ton of sense. He's still young. He's, he slots in right at, you know, right tackle. So I, I, I think, like, if you're looking at it in terms of value, I don't know that the Bears got great value per se, just because I think that those tackles were more ranked in, like, you know, the, I would say, I don't know, maybe the 12 to 17 or 18 range. But I also think, again, when you look at it in hindsight, Parrish Johnson Jr. goes uh, seven and then Darnell Wright goes 10. And then Broderick Jones goes, what was it? Because Steelers and Steelers ended up trading up to what was a 14, right? Yeah. Yep. They moved so, up. So, you look at that and it's like, I mean, imagine had the bears done what I projected them to do um, and basically trade down with the Steelers at 17, they'd have been on the outside looking in. So, you know, it, again, it, it it's, you you kind of have to separate the Jalen Carter situation and really look at how the rest of the draft played out for the bears. And ultimately I, I just, it, it just feels like they played the board pretty damn well. And I think things worked out for them. I'm sure they had options to trade down further if they wanted to, they could have got more compensation, but dude, a future fourth round pick to move down one spot is, is more than fine.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you're right, man. It addressed a big need. I mean, Going into this draft, everyone said, you know, offensive line, defensive tackle, you know, they needed a a right tackle, you know, they they needed to land someone like that uh, as a starter. And I, I think they got that and yeah, it was a safe pick. I, I, I do think he's going to be good. I think it's going to take a little time. Um, you know, we got to talk to him after he, he was drafted in like a private media setting after the the press conference and in, in small groups. And what I can tell you is, you know, my biggest takeaway is he kind of has that nasty attitude you want in an offensive lineman. Like he was fired up. You know, he had to catch himself, you know, a couple times um, not to cuss or, <laughs> or say anything like that because he was just, you know, he was like fired up to, you know, essentially play and it, it kind of just reminded me of Tevin Jenkins. We first got to talk to Tevin Jenkins, you know, he's got kind of like that Matt nasty mean streak to him. That's what I kind of got from Darnell. Right. And, you know, I think if you can get two of those guys on the line and Braxton Jones can bulk up a little bit, I, I think there's three pieces on the line. And then you figure out center and, and, you know, if Nate Davis turns out to be solid at right guard, you know, there you go. So I like to pick a Darnell Wright. I, I thought it was a good one. Um, and, you know, the Bears fell back to 10 and, and got their guy. I you know I wonder how far back they actually could have fallen. I know Holes didn't mention that he, he thought someone could have came up for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you get him at 10, that, that's not bad at all. Looking at day two, you know, the Bears come out. Uh, pick, pick 53 is uh, gervon Dexter, senior a defensive tackle, 6'6". Um, you know, the Bears kind of see him and, and they're – and then Zach Pickens, they took at 64. Kind of interchangeable. One technique, three technique, according to Ryan Poles. Sandwich in between there, though, is my is one of my favorite picks. And you've mocked him to the Bears a couple times. Um, but you know, they they make the trade, they come up and get uh Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, a cornerback who good size physical, um, has played in the slot, has played on the outside. To me, I think he's gonna fit in perfectly with this bear secondary. And now you're looking at potentially a core of Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, and then some guys behind him, you know, in Kendall Vildor, Josh Blackwell, um, the, uh, the other rookie Terrell Smith, um, Jalen Jones, just kind of depth pieces. I think your top three corners are pretty good in, in your eyes on the, on those day two picks, which one's your favorite? And where do you think the, um, you know, the defensive tackle, were you shocked that they went, they doubled up on defense tackles within 11 picks?
2: Well, yeah, I, I think Tyreek Stevenson was definitely my favorite pick out of day two. Um, You know, I had him mocked, I think it was the last time, because I, I really, I really liked uh, Julius Prince, and I, he was somebody that I thought fit them really well, but of course, you know, a very similar thinking uh, Chris Ballard um, ended up taking him before the bears pick. And then obviously the bears traded up, but yeah, I think Stevenson's one of those guys, I think really in a lot of ways he profiles very similarly to somebody like Jalen Johnson. Um, And I think he makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, he's got, he's got good size. He's got good speed. Um, There's definitely some refinement that needs to happen, but like you pointed out, I mean, now you got a situation with Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, and uh you know uh, kyler gordon in the slot i mean you've got the potential to have three pretty damn good cornerbacks and i thought it was interesting too because post-draft and his post-draft press conference uh ryan poles basically talked about like they want jalen johnson around they want him to stick around they're playing on having these three guys for the foreseeable future now obviously we've heard that before we'll have to see how that works but it did feel genuine and you know i think a lot of this is going to come down to you know, the perceived value on both sides, I would have to assume that the Bears are going to have an an idea in terms of value in mind. And Jalen Johnson's a very confident guy. And I'm sure that he's going to think that he's worth top corner money. And frankly, you know, he has not performed consistently enough or been healthy enough for that to happen. So he would be my favorite pick. Um, In terms of the defensive tackles, there's probably going to be some bias to this because i did have a favorite that i honestly w- wasn't sure was going to be able to you know make it to the bears pick i mean shit i i, I mocked him to I-, I think i mocked him 32 overall to the bears in my when i had them trading down with pittsburgh and flipping some picks and getting 32 and then 80 as well and that would uh you know that was uh out of, Boari, out of uh, northwestern and crazy thing is, is he fell all the way to the fourth round. Um, So very clearly some of us were wrong, at least in terms of where we thought he was going to go another, you know, Chris Ballard pick. Um, So fantastic for the Colts, I guess, but Dexter and Pickens are both guys that I'm like, you know, it's tough because I think if you look at the defensive tackle class, there wasn't a whole lot of true three tech fits for the bears. Right. And I think one of the interesting names would have been um Keon White. Um he I think he ended up projecting as an edge rusher, but he was also somebody that could have, you know, moved inside. But I mean, you're looking at it, and there just really wasn't a ton of options. Keanu Bent was the other one I thought would have been interesting. He was probably more of a pass rushing nose tackle, if that makes any sense, you know, like a one tech uh versus being that athletic, you know, three tech that's consistently pass rushing. Um so but unfortunately he went before him too. So it, it'll it be interesting to see. I mean, when you look at both Dexter and Pickens, you're talking about two guys that were highly recruited that have really good athletic profiles that didn't really produce a lot in school. So these are projection based uh, picks and it's just tough, man, because like, I understand what polls is saying in terms of like, especially with Dexter, they're talking about him, you know, kind of being ha- ha- playing this role of reading and reacting and, you know, and in, in terms of, you know, I guess instead of um, you know kind of being that fast switch guy that can get off the line really quickly, I just I struggle to believe that um, because if you go back and you watch uh, if you watch any of his any of his games right he is literally the last one off the line of scrimmage on that defensive line at Florida every single freaking snap every single snap he is the last one so. Does he have the athletic profile? Yes. Does he have the, you know, the, the size and everything else that you want? Yes. But the production wasn't there. And I feel kind of the same way about Zach Pickens, but at least with Pickens, you can see the explosive first step. You can see the get off at times, although inconsistent. It's crazy because he was actually a higher star recruit and an overall highly regarded recruit over a guy like Jalen Carter back when they came out of high school. I mean, Zach Pickens is a very highly regarded talent. And again, though, it's all about projection. So I get it. You're taking swings and I know a lot of people have made the comparison and I'm not saying it will be this way, but it, it does kind of have, to me, it kind of have shades of Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton, Um, you know, back in Phil Emery, I think it was Phil Emery's first draft when they, and again, Ego Ferguson was a massive, massive reach. Even at the time, I think a lot of people were like, what in the hell are they doing? But it's kind of one of those, it feels like, yes, they had a need there, and yes, they needed to add some bodies, but I think you're counting on upside versus proven production in college, and that makes me a little nervous. I I, I can't lie about that. I don't hate the picks, but I don't love them either.
1: Yeah, I mean, they address the need. Like you said, I mean, it's it's just high upside. You know, Kenton, we just got to hope they're not bust now um, because, you know, if one of them pans out, that's great. If both of them pan out even better. But in my eyes, they, they try to address the needs. Um, and, and, you know, it is what it is, I guess, I guess in that, uh, let's go on to day three. Now, Well,
2: before, before oh. we go to day three, I, yep. I I do think it is worth noting that I, I think the board fell the bears way for the most part, but I think one of the most shocking things, and I I would assume that you would agree with me is the fact that 11 edge rushers went before the bears picked at 53. I mean, that was, yeah. that was yes. something, I mean, no, I think, yeah, it was very unfortunate. But, I mean, you had guys like Isaiah Foskey and uh, Derek Hall and B.J. Ojalari, like those kind of names were the ones that you would have expected to see at at least 53. I mean, there were there were multiple mocks that had Hall and or Foskey going then in at 64 overall. All those guys were long gone before the Bears picked. So I understand that some people are kind of like, well, why didn't they do anything in edge rusher? But again, like you want to talk about you know past mistakes from past regimes that's one of those that's something that Ryan Poles would have either traded up a massive amount and really hurt himself or he would have reached on somebody like a Byron Young or somebody like that and taken him way too high so i do think you know again we've we've been critical of poles at time we've 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 praised poles at time i think that or at times but i do think that that is one of those situations where he does deserve credit because i do think that for the second year in a row, they've stuck true to their boards and they haven't reached um, when it would have been very easy to do so, especially with a crazy run that we saw at edge rusher.
1: And that's the thing, like, you know, I I have concerns on who's going to rush the passer. Um, you know, I I I don't feel good with Demarcus Walker, Travis Gibson, Dominic Robinson. Yeah, I mean, I I see people are pointing to you know the the two guys they just drafted for the interior. Yeah, that might help stopping the run, but getting off the edge and, and getting to the quarterback, the Bears were dead last in the NFL last year in that. And you know, it is unfortunate because there was a run on, on edge players right before the Bears were able to pick there on day two. And you know, and it's becoming quarterbacks, obviously the most important piece to your to your offense. You know, offensive tackles right there. You'll you'll see runs on offensive tackles. Um, you don't really see them on wide receivers as much just because it's a deep class uh, usually every year. Man, we're starting to see it more and more often now that there's runs on the edge rushers because of how important they are and how critical they are for your defense. Getting to the passer is, is a critical thing for defense. And I have my concerns, man. I, I'm i not going to fault Ryan Poles for not trading up and, and reaching for one. Um, I do think there's some valuable free agents still left out there. I just I think the Bears addressed the need at right tackle. I think they addressed the need on the defensive line, defensive tackle. Um, you know they addressed the need at cornerback, running back. They added a wide receiver. I think he did everything right. I just now, my the biggest need for me is you have to find someone to rush the passer, whether it's a trade, um, whether it is through free agency. Someone's got to get to the quarterback. And you know, like I said, I agree that he, I'm glad he didn't trade up. It's just kind of, you know, unfortunate that they there was kind of a run on that. So going to day three, um, you know, the Bears come up. They have um, the 115th overall pick in the fourth round after a trade. Um, they were scheduled to kick off day three. They traded it to the uh, New Orleans Saints. They're sitting at 115, and they take Roshan Johnson. the running back out of Texas. They follow it up, um, another fourth-round pick with Tyler Scott, um, 133. And, and just speaking on the fourth round, Aaron, I think this is a great fourth round. I think these are two guys. Like, if Bajan Robinson wasn't in Texas, Roshan Johnson's probably a day-two pick, an, an early day-two pick. I think he's that good. Tyler Scott fell. A lot of people, I, I think it was Dane Brugler had him at wide receiver seven. Um, I don't know what he ended up being with it, like wide receiver 10, 11. I think they got a steal. I think this, this guy – fits in perfectly with what the bears offense wanted to do speed good route good route runner yards after catch could be a reliable target for justin fields in the future
2: yeah i thought day day three especially the fourth round was fantastic for ryan poles right like i felt like i uh, again i was very happy with darnell Wright. um overall i was Happy with day two again, don't love the names, particularly at defensive line, but I also can see the upside there. So it's like you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think going into day three, I mean, we, you know, I, I tweeted about this a few times like, you know, they needed offensive weapons. And what do they do? They go out and r- right out of the gate, you know, they trade back, which I, I think in hindsight it ended up being a really good move because you recoup that fifth round pick. Obviously, it wasn't the first, you know, pick of the fifth round, but it was enough to be able to land them you know, another player and keep their 10 picks that they had and all that, you know, fun stuff. But yeah, I mean, to be able to trade back 12 spots and be able to land Roshan Johnson, which I mean, the, at least, at least going by the consensus board, I mean, he was a third round talent. And like you said, if he wasn't, I mean, he would have probably been the starting running back at, I'd say 85, 90% of schools around the country right now. Like he's a really good player Um, and you know, the fact that they were able to get him in a trade down in the fourth round, I thought was really good value. And I think the big thing with a guy like Roshan Johnson is this, right, is one, he's a good athlete. Um, he didn't test quite as well as I think some people had expected. I do think he is a faster runner than he showed at the, at the combine with his 40, Um, but uh, you know, the big thing for me is, is he's such a low mileage running back, man. Like he had less than 400 carries in college. Like that is absolutely fantastic. I mean, sometimes you see college running backs that have close to 400 carries in one year. So it's one of those things where I think you get, you get a lot of longevity there. He's still a young guy. The leadership qualities are there. Um, you know, they talk a lot about him as a person. I think that that's going to be a great culture fit, and this is kind of their version, like the, this regime's version of David Montgomery. My favorite pick, and I'm sure people, anybody who followed me on Twitter, just simply by my reaction in this entire draft was Tyler Scott. I, I had him as somebody who could have gone either second or third round, Uh, Dane Brugler had him as the seventh overall receiver and he had a second round grade on him. Uh, Consensus overall, I think was right around, I think it was like 73, I want to say. So, I mean, that's a, what, an early, early third round projection. The bears got him all the way at the end of the fourth round a pick 133 in the fourth round. I mean, that's just insane value. And I think the nice thing, Sometimes, too, about when you have guys like, you know, Tyler Scott or even Darnell Mooney a few years ago, there's not a whole lot of pressure for him to come in and start or make a huge impact right out of the gate. Right. Like sometimes when you take guys a little later on in the draft, it kind of takes that pressure off. But you're also you still have in your mind like they could have had a you know, I I know they say they don't do round grades, but let's just say they had a, you know, a high or a low second or high third on him like their evaluation of him as a player versus where they took him isn't really going to matter. Like their evaluation is going to matter a lot more than where they got him at. Right. So I think with a guy like Scott, I think it's a very ideal situation. And this is what good teams with good offenses do is the bears have DJ Moore, They have chase Claypool. They have Darnell Mooney. And I know everybody's kind of writing Darnell Mooney off and saying, well, he's that, that, you know, Tyler Scott's Darnell Mooney's replacement. It's like, I I think people need to pump the brakes on that. One, we don't know what Tyler Scott's going to be. And two, like, I don't think a lot of Bears fans are used to having good options at receiver. I mean, again, obviously both Mooney and Claypool are both, uh, you know, free agents at year's end. The Bears are going to have plenty of money. They're going to have a franchise tag available. They're going to be able to get some extensions done this off-season. Like there's a very real, you know, possibility that they could end up retaining both guys moving into 2024. So let's not write anybody off. Let's take it for what it is with the depth. And I think the biggest thing with a guy like Scott is he needs like if you look at his production, like this year was definitely the biggest year for his production. He never broke a thousand yards. He's definitely on the smaller side. He's a little bit raw as a route runner. I mean, he, he came out of high school as a running back, but I mean, he's got track speed. Uh, he ran a four, four forty at the combine. He runs, I can tell you right now, he plays faster than a four, four forty. 40. He's going to have, you know, one of those, I think he's going to have a role kind of like they tried to put Bayless Jones jr. In last year, where he can actually be a real deep threat. He tracks the ball. Well, Does have some drop issues. He had seven drops last year, but I think, you know, he needs some refinement on his route running, but I think because of his speed and because he does have a decent idea of route running in terms of the nuances and all that stuff, I think he's going to translate relatively well. So, I think this is a huge value for the Bears, and I think now you're kind of looking at a receiving core where you have those top three guys. You have Tyler Scott, you have EQ St. Brown, you have Bayless Jones Jr., and you have Dante Pettis. Like, all of a sudden, you've got guys that you were counting on for starting snaps last year that are going to be your receivers four, five, and six, and I think that's just a great situation for the Bears to be in.
1: Yeah, I agree. I really like the pick of um, Tyler Scott. I think the fourth round of the Bears – not in the park I, I also like round five um 148 noah sewell the the linebacker at one time you know he was considered a first round pick uh kind of struggled at oregon but it's kind of one of those those picks where it's a lot of upside you know you're not taking a big risk in the fifth round guy that could probably come in and play special teams early on um and, and learn from the linebackers they have they also picked uh terrell smith round five they picked travis bell round seven Wrapped it up with Kendall Williamson around um, seven as well. So there's your 10 draft picks for the Bears. Um, and, you know, like I said, day three, you know, you look at guys, you know, Bell Williamson, lottery pick type guys. Smith, I'm uh, going to compete for some time at, at uh, defensive back. And I tweeted it, you know, during the draft as they picked Smith. I think in mini camp and training camp, it's going to be awesome watching these defensive backs and wide receivers go at it. Like you got DJ Moore, you got Darnell Mooney, you got Tyler Scott. Um, You know, you'll have guys like E.Q. St. Brown, Bayless Jones, going up against Jalen Johnson, Tyler Gordon, um, Tyreek Stevenson, Kendall Vildor, Smith, Jones, Blackwell. I think those would be the battles to really watch. And then obviously, you know, running backs will be um pretty fun to watch as well, especially the depth chart there. Aaron, uh, overall, what would you grade this draft for the Bears early on? I know it's tough to do full grades. Um, You know, the general rule is you wait three years. But just off the bat right away on Saturday night, what was kind of your first grade and, and kind of thought on this on this class?
2: Well, I think just overall, I mean, I think the Bears did a really good job of just, you know, taking what the you know what came to them, filling needs, um, you know, and then like I said, some of the some of the overall value that they got was, at least in my opinion, fantastic, right? So I I uh, like you said, man, the draft grades are tough, um, but for me, I would give them a solid B, B+. plus. I mean, that's what I, you know, in, in my article that I just put out not too long ago, that was why I came away with. I think it would have moved into A territory had they got a defensive tackle that I liked a little bit better than, than uh, Dexter or Pickens, but I think their overall idea of what they were trying to do. Um, the positional value in which they were able to grab early on, and then just their overall uh process of going into day three and saying, Hey, we're gonna take a running back, we're gonna take a receiver, we're gonna take another corner. They added a lot of developmental depth, and that's something that we haven't seen from the Bears in a while. So I would give them, like I said, solid B, B plus.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think like B, B minus is where I kind of have them at and it's because they addressed the needs they needed to address. Um and for that, you know. This draft could have gone a different way, but I just like that they they at least attempted to um, address those needs. You know, before we wrap things up and focus on rookie minicamp next week, you know, we talked about edge rusher. Um, We talked about, you know, there's a couple other holes the Bears might have in terms of depth. But looking at these, you know, free agents, I mean, the Bears do have um, some money to spend. They still have the most money in the NFL to spend salary cap wise. And if they want to go out and get an edge rusher or get a pass rusher, you know, there are options out there and I don't know if the bears will do it. Ryan holes did open, you know, kind of kept the door open saying that, um, you know, there are resources to go out and get some guys if they need to address it. Um, you know, you, you look right at the top of the list is, a uh, is, you know, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, um, Yannick Nagoki is out there guys like that. Um, to go rush the passer. What are kind of your thoughts, Aaron, and and which one would you maybe target if you are Ryan Poles?
2: Well, I feel like for the most part, the Bears – again, and I'm not saying the Bears have like a playoff or Super Bowl contending roster, but I think the Bears are in a good spot with their young talent for the most part. Um, But I do think that there are two different areas that I would go out and spend some money. I mean, keep in mind with their draft class under contract, once that happens, they're still going to have close to $31 million in cap space, right? And that's before making any cuts, any other moves, anything like that. They are in a really good spot. They're at the top of the league still in that. Uh, The first move I would make would be, I would still re-sign DeAndre Houston Carson. I think he brings a lot of good depth as as a as a safety slash nickel slash dime guy. But I also think he brings a lot of value uh, for special teams. I mean, he's still out there. I'd give him, honestly, a, a year or two deal and, you know, reasonable money. I'd say, what, you know, $2 million a year or something like that. But as far as the edge rusher goes, I, I mean, the Bears have to make a move. I mean, just look at their depth chart. And I know that people are going to say, well, you know, they have, you know, they signed uh, Walker and they signed Rasheem Green. It's like, yeah, but both of those guys are more of right ends. Like they're more of the bigger ends, um. Uh, you know, on this defense. And then, you know, you have Travis Gibson and you, you also have, uh, you know, Dominique Robinson as well. But outside of that, like they went in last year, they went in with five edge rushers. Right now, that fifth edge rusher would either be an undrafted guy or kind of a failed draft pick from another team that has been bouncing around on practice squads the last few years for other teams. So, To me, I I, and I know people, it's crazy that people have this like really weird thing against Leonard Floyd. I think Leonard Floyd would be a really good move for the Bears. I mean, the guy, like if you look at what he did with the Rams, I mean, he was a very productive pass rusher and he's good against the run. We know that. I think he's a versatile guy. I think he makes some sense. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe would be my, their, my other option, just because I do think that he, I mean, he's still younger. Yes. He doesn't really defend the run that well, but they need pass rushers, man. Like they, that's what they need right now. And he gets after the pass. you know, he gets after the passer with, uh, you know, with pretty big regularity. So, you know, you got that Frank Clark is the guy that I know a lot of people are making ties to. I don't know that he makes a ton of sense. Melvin Ingram's out there to Clowney's out there. Like there are a lot of different veteran edge rushers that could make some sense And frankly, with the way that the markets ride up and with the way that teams don't have money, it may, for the top name on the market, whoever they deem that to be, it may only take five to $7 million, maybe like a $5 million contract with incentives up to, you know, seven or eight or whatever it may be. So the Bears have got plenty of money to get it done. But I do think when you're looking at this roster, I mean, and I think Ryan Poles kind of alluded to it the other day in his, his presser, like, you know, things haven't fallen their way on their board, but they still have plenty of resources. The other. Thing that to kind of keep an eye on, I guess, would be kind of like a trade target. Uh, you know, I know that there was some talk about maybe Montez Sweat or Chase Young um being trade candidates. I think Sweat's gonna would cost quite a bit. I don't know that the Bears are gonna want to give up that type of draft capital for him. I think Chase Young could make some sense. I know health is kind of an issue if you know they wanted like a you know, like a fourth round pick. Like if they basically if they wanted the Eagles fourth round pick, I'd make that trade in a heartbeat. Uh the other name could be Carl Lawson from the Giants or from the Jets, I'm sorry. Um, and we'll just have to see, but I have a feeling one way or another, the bears are going to make some sort of move for an edge rusher and kind of get, I mean, they rotate a lot. They don't need somebody who's going to be in there 80% of the snaps, but they do need somebody who can get after the pass. And I think that's really what they're missing right now.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I think they're going to make a move. I mean, they kind of feels like they have to, right? Like, I mean, they just, they, they I, I can't see Ryan Poles. Matt Averfield and Allen Williams feeling really comfortable with the guys they have rushing the passer. I mean, we saw this last year. Like it, it's just, it, it, it's not a good situation and uh, they got to upgrade. Like they got to get better. They got to be able to get to the quarterback. Um, Their offense, can put up a bunch of points that they want, but if you don't get to the quarterback and limit the opposing offense, you know, you're going to have a, a hard time. So yeah, I would expect them to kind of make a move, whether it is trade. I don't know. They remember they do have the extra first round pick. I don't think they'll part ways with that, especially you know if Carolina's bad, it could turn into a, a top ten, top five pick. But yeah, I, I would hope that they would go out and and get someone and get at least one guy out there and and then let it go from there and, and see what they can do. But yeah, that hopefully that comes in the coming weeks or coming months. But um yeah, now the we'll focus on rookie minicamp and and we'll have you fully covered this week. Um notebooks, coverage. We'll talk to coordinators, talk to players, all that good stuff. Um, and then of course we'll break it down next week as well. Um uh, on the podcast. Aaron, uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and where can everyone read your work?
2: Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work on the bearreport.com.
1: Awesome. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can um, follow me on Twitter at, at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps us and picks for polls podcast. Also, we'll be back next week with a new episode covering rookie minicamp and the latest on the Bears. Till then, everyone, please stay safe. Please stay
3: healthy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?